Hi, welcome to the Hazer Group Podcast. On today's episode, we talk to Andrew Conejo, the Chief Technology Officer of the Hazer Group. In today's episode, we talk about graphite, which is a key component in Hazer's new technology. It's a fascinating look at what makes this innovative system work. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Um, thank you for speaking to me today. I know it's only 8 a.m. Uh, Perth time. How are you this week? I'm okay. I'm okay. As you say, late, late in the week. It's uh, all yeah. good. So, you know, we've spoken to Jeff, um, you know, about a few of the upcoming innovations within the the, the Hazer Group and kind of the future of where Australia's um, uh, economy is going and, and the energy economy to that regard. Um Talking to you today, we're, what we're really interested in is around graphite and, you know, graphite being a key component to your technology and, and really for you guys, something that's unique in from an organizational point of view, we really wanted to kind of educate our listeners on, you know, the value and the uses of graphite um, because I don't think many people talk about it. You know, it is, it is more technical than, you know, Joe Blow on the street would probably know about. Um, but when we think about Hazer as a hydrogen and uh, renewable energy company, you know, what, what is the role of graphite within that? Yeah, we, we get that question a lot. Uh, well, essentially, it, it comes to the fact that the, the graphite itself is essentially a co-product, as, as you know well know. So we, we have methane as a feedstock, and methane you can derive from, from natural gas or you can derive from, from biogas. And we essentially split the molecule. So the molecule being, um, apologies, I have to put a, a bit of science in this, CH4. <laughs> And you split that into the two uh, elemental constituents. So you split that into hydrogen and, and carbon. And because we're using a, a catalyst in the reaction, we're a, able to produce graphitic forms of carbon. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the reason why you can't have one without the other. Right. And something else to consider here is that we produce significantly more of graphite than hydrogen. So if you look right. at the molecule... Okay. It, the constituents of the molecule is uh, 75% carbon, 25% hydrogen. So that's kind of the split that yeah. we have as well in terms of our products. We have at least three times the amount of carbon or graphite than we do hydrogen. So you can appreciate it's actually quite a big part of the um, the Hazer process. And taking a step back, you know, when I first, you know, looked into this, thinking about graphite, all I thought was, you know, my, my days when I still used a pencil, when I wasn't, you know, chained to a keyboard. Um, you know, for for those who, who don't really know, what what is graphite kind of as a as a base yeah. commodity? Yeah, so um, well, I think graphite conjures different images and different people depending who you talk to. But um, yeah. generally, I think it, it's it's pictured as a as a mineral that is extracted from the ground, a black mineral that is has a variety of uses. One of them being pencils, as you mentioned. Um, I think it's important to note that uh, there's there's a variety of different sources of graphite for one and yep. a, a number of different uses, applications, and properties. Um, so in terms of the two main forms of, of graphite, there's the natural graphite that everyone kind of knows about, the stuff you dig out of the ground. That's mm-hmm. referred to generally as, as natural graphite or flake graphite. Uh, then on the other side, you've got synthetic versions. Now, the term synthetic means it's man-made. We, we make it. Um, the traditional forms of synthetic graphite is actually made through the petroleum process, so the refining of of um, a petrochemical processes produces a, a solid um, black uh, carbonaceous uh, substance called petroleum coke, which then can be untreated, so purified, uh, calcined, and a few other bits and pieces to produce what is known and sold as synthetic graphite. Right. Um, the, in terms of the markets, they, 
traditionally is about 50-50 in terms of volume globally on natural graphite versus synthetic graphite. And they can interchange in terms of uses and properties. Um, but that's kind of the market as is. What Hazer introduces here is what we term as a synthetic graphite. I mean, literally, it is something that is man-made, but it's made in a different way. And right. uh, it, it's made obviously from a gas instead of it being made from of course. From, from, and so I guess that's the the, the main difference. Um, so we, it, it's it's almost an additional type of uh, synthetic carbon. And, and as a as a as a uh, an export, what what does the global market look like for that? Is, is yeah, and where does Australia kind of rank in terms of as as a producer? Mm. Uh, well, globally, the um, the usage of, of graphite in general is, is quite big today. Uh, yeah. I think we're projected, I think we're about uh, just shy of 20 billion um, US per year. And I think we're targeting a lot higher down the line. Uh, there's a lot of growth sectors. Um, but uh, I think it needs to be appreciated that graphite has a lot of uh, very exceptional properties that lend right. itself to a number of different markets. So, could you talk us through some of those? Yeah, yeah. So, electrical properties, amazing electrical properties, and amazing um, structural, yeah, uh, as well as thermal properties. And they each, because they're so extreme in terms of their properties, it lends itself to quite a few different markets. Like for for instance, the the uh, conductive properties, electrical properties, uh, that lends it to be used in uh, um, electrodes. Basically, you've got these really big pylons, really big structures of pure graphite that are there to conduct electricity into, say, electric arc furnaces. So that's probably the biggest use of graphite in the industry is actually in smelting these kind of things. Yep. So electro so electrodes for smelting, alumina, the kind of refining, those kind of things. Um, in terms of its thermal properties, um, it can resist really, really high temperatures. So in the absence of oxygen, it can withstand up to like 3,000 degrees, which is right. phenomenal. So it can be used wow. in a lot of different areas in that area, so like foundries or, or a refractory, that kind of thing. There's a myriad of different uses in that area. And then you've got a, a very unique structural properties. I mean, graphite is made up of graphene layers. And because those layers are only loosely held together, they can slip apart quite easily. And so those the uh, the substance can also be used for lubrications. It's used in, in like dry really? lubrication. It's used in wet lubrication as an additive. Uh, so you can appreciate there's a whole range of different yeah. uses. There's also the growth sectors that kind of use a blend between these properties. Like, for instance, the lithium-ion battery. Yeah, okay. The graphite is used as the anode within a lithium-ion battery. I'm not sure if it's appreciated, but a lithium-ion battery has a lot more graphite, like 20 times the amount of graphite, than it does lithium. Yeah. <laughs> Could be really cool, the graphite battery, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the, the market for lithium-ion is is growing exponentially, like every year. It's, right? it's huge. It is it's yeah. certainly the buzz, and I think that was... Uh, one of the reasons why there was a bit of a craze in graphite maybe five or so years ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the the anode kind of the graphite within the anode actually exploits two, two at least two um, amazing properties in graphite, and, and that is its uh, electrical properties. It can conduct quite well, but but also its structural properties. It's, it's the fact that you've got these interlayer spacings that allows the ion, so lithium ions, to intercalate. So I won't go into that in detail, but <laughs> I was essentially, about to say, you're about to lose me on that one. <laughs> yeah. So I think what what can be appreciated is there are a number of different markets, um, and and they're all related to the properties of the the graphite species that allow them to go into these big markets. And in my opinion, and, and just where technology is going, these markets are just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Interesting.
In terms of Hayes's role within this, um, you know, what what's been your advantage, and, and and why has it been such an important part of you know the Hazer journey? Yeah, where's our advantage compared to the other graphite sources? Is a is a great mm. question. Um, we we have some inherent advantages in the sense that uh, we can change what we have in terms of our graphite. So just by changing right. the Hazer process, we're talking about the, the temperatures slightly, the temp, the pressures. Uh, the residence times, the catalyst that you use, the type of iron ore that you use, will all influence the type of graphite or graphitic carbon that you produce. Mm -hmm. You can produce a range of different species. So you can produce fibres, you can produce balls, you can produce shells, all these different types just by tweaking it. Now that's an advantage over other deposits, for instance, right. whether it be mined or whether it be synthetic, you're kind of stuck with what you have in terms of the properties, but also in terms yeah. of the impurity profile. We can control all of that. So, I mean, what we're ideally hoping here is because we have such a, a wide range of different properties that we can control, the question then is, can we actually tailor our graphite to different markets? Right, and, and different fluctuations in what the market requires as well, correct? Exactly, and you can yeah. pivot. You can pivot according yeah. to that. So, I mean, I mean, practically, we, we may be even able to transition even beyond the traditional graphite markets. So, for instance, carbon right. black markets, which is also another solid form of carbon, that's using an industry, it's actually quite a large market, or even activated carbon, which again is another form of solid carbon. So because we have that ability to tune our graphite and mm. can have such wide range of properties, yeah, we'll be looking to expand that market to not only look at the graphite, traditional graphite markets, but also expand beyond that. Like I'll give you an example, yeah, if you sure. like. Uh, so like natural graphite out from the ground um, has a particular crystallinity, has a particular flake size, that allows it to be used in particular applications. Now, let's say it might go into lithium-ion batteries or in refractory, but it would very rarely, if ever, be able to go into, say, um, uh, additives into the uh, tire manufacturing, which right. is a traditional space for, for uh, carbon blacks. Now, what we are doing is, is because we do have the ability of changing that, we may also mm. be able to go into those traditional markets, but also maybe even in the, um, the rubber industry or the tire industry. And does that help the overall uh, renewability of what you guys are doing as well? Because you're not reliant so much on 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 market forces, you can actually tailor them around that. Uh, kind of, yeah. That there is there is an aspect of that being able to go yeah. between different industries. I think at our point, it's more about market size. Yeah, sure. So being able to tailor it towards different or markets that wouldn't be traditional allows us to increase the the market that we have. Yeah, and because the uh, we produce so much more graphite than hydrogen, that's an important facet. We need to be able to place the graphite in certain areas. Yeah, and and that all helps the economics. And I guess another advantage is the fact that um, the CO two footprint associated with the production of our graphite uh, would be significantly lower than the alternative, yes. particularly yeah. other other synthetic types of graphite, which is derived from petroleum sources. Mm. Um, there's a lot of emissions and a lot of um, uh, thermal processes that go through in the production of that. Whereas ours, if we're using biogas as a feedstock, could conceivably be negative emissions. Right. So you can imagine having a negative CO2 footprint yeah. on a product. And I think that, that is also a big differentiating factor and one that is actually brought up quite a bit from external parties. I and mean, we, we get approached a lot by that aspect alone. Is that is that one of the major differences between yourself and somebody like China, who is also a big graphite producer? Oh yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we, we do have different um, uh, graphite species for starters. I mean, they, they yeah. they're quite heavy in, in natural graphite and, and normal synthetic graphite, so petroleum coke type synthetic graphite. But I think one of the advantages that we have in that in that area is, I mean, 
yes, uh, China is is heavily involved in the sourcing, but also in the uh, the treatment of of graphite mm. graphitic species. So it's it's rare that a, 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 a the supply chain doesn't involve China at some stage. Yeah, um, that involves or that 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 can maybe um, lead to a security risk with regards to supply in certain regions if you're reliant right. only on a single source. Um, and graphite being known as a um, uh, what's called a national security interest material. Yep. Uh, it, it's critical for the uh, certain nations to keep going. It's a critical input. Um, that's also been looked at as a threat. So being able to diversify your, your supply of, of graphite is, is also an advantage. So Hazer allows you obviously to be able to produce it on your own without there being a need for uh, traditional sources. Yeah, and especially I guess where the world is now, you know, a lot of the supply chains are broken down because of things like COVID-19 and kind of everyone trying to understand where their, you know, uh, logistics are. Every conversation I've had is, you know, is about kind of that uncertainty. So I'm assuming it provides a lot of the more of that certainty to those um, people who need it. Absolutely. I mean, if you can produce it yourself and if you can produce it on site of usage, there's value in that. Mm. Right, there's a security supplier, but also there's a quality uh, advantage. You might be able to tune it to your to your requirements, and all you need is a source of methane, which is ubiquitous, right? Yeah, and methane's everywhere. So with methane, you can either get that from fossil fuels in terms of natural gas, or you can have it generally locally through biogas. Like for yeah. instance, we we're driving it from uh, wastewater treatment facilities. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, which is global. Obviously, wherever you have people, you have wastewater treatment facilities, yeah. and therefore you you have biogas. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 something that everyone has access to. And so, looking at the next year ahead, what do you think the, are going to be? You know, Hayes's kind of priorities for for uh, either graphite or for the business over overall um, as we kind of enter the new year. Yeah. So scale is a big one. So we yep. obviously developing something that was originally in the lab all the way through to commercial scale. And so one of our biggest focuses is now on the commercial demonstration plant, which we're building here in Perth yep. using using biogas. And um, so that's that's one of the key points. We are obviously looking at uh, lots of different markets for the graphite species. That's either via our collaboration or our, um, our research networks through University of Sydney. We've got our research team over there via uh, IMCRC, uh, but also via a number of collaborations we have worldwide where we, uh, we engage in order to look at a specific area of interest with regards to a market for graphite, yeah. which includes um, energy storage areas. So mm -hmm. lithium ion being one key one, also normal battery applications. Uh, we're looking in water purification areas. Uh, we're looking in, in refractory uh, as well as a host of others. Um, so not only are we looking at the existing markets, things that are available today that ideally if we had a, the right product, you can fit a, a directly into a market, but we're also on the side in parallel looking at, well, we have a novel graphite here with a novel price point. What other markets, what other products are possible with this? Because it hasn't been conceived before, right? Yeah. But we're also looking at the bluer sky areas as well. So could we conceive a, an ultra low cost energy storage method? That uses a, a different uh, aspect of uh, energy storage. Yeah, so, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to bring out any details here on that, but I'm yeah. ultimately there's a lot of different areas that we're looking at, and so yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's quite an interesting field, and I think one with a lot of potential. Awesome. Look, Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. Um, we are definitely going to check back in with you as Hazer progresses over the next year. But thank you for your time today, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Perfect. Thank you.